Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Hey, I want to welcome everybody joining us today at all of our Christ Fellowship locations. Great to have you with us today and everybody joining us online and everybody here at Gardens. Love you so much. We are in week two of our series, So What? And as Dollar Declan said, I'm going to teach you how to be farmers, right? Because if you sow now, you can see it later, right? But if you don't sow it, you ain't going to see it. The goal is to plant it now so you have plenty later. That means you've got to get some seed in the ground. Now, before we jump in today, though, I do, I do want to make sure that you understand this, that what we're going to be talking about today and what we're talking about during this series is not about what God or Todd wants from you. It's all about what God has for you. We're going to be talking about principles in the word of God. And we said last week that when you get in on the principle, you get in on the promise. But if you miss out on the principle because you don't know about the principle, or because you ignore the principle, if you miss out on the principle, you miss out on the promise. And I don't want you to miss out on any good promise that God has for you. And so we're talking about this spiritual principle of sowing and reaping. We talked last week about that you, you, you reap what you sow. You, you, can't, you can't sow corn and expect to get beans back. Right, you're gonna, you're gonna reap what you sow. You also reap where you sow. You, you can't sow in that field and expect to get a harvest in this field. And we said you can't, you can't sow all of your energy and time and your best at work and expect to reap a harvest at home. It doesn't work that way. And you reap how you sow. And we look specifically at a passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter nine that says, whoever sows sparingly will reap how? Right, so if you put a little bit in, you're only gonna get a little bit back. And whoever sows generously is gonna reap generously, right? So this is a spiritual principle in God's word for God's people. And it's actually for everybody, even those that don't know Jesus here today, it's a principle that whoever sows this way in any area of your life, think about it, if you, if you sow words of encouragement and words of life into other people, guess what's coming back to you? Words of encouragement in life. You, you sow kindness into situations and in to, to people that aren't so kind. Guess what's gonna come back to you because you're sowing kindness? You sow generosity. You give what you've got away. God says there is a blessing that will come back in your life that you can't even really put your mind around it and contain it. Studies have even found this. I did some research this week and, and secular studies have now found that generous people are happier people. And healthier people, Time Magazine, Time Magazine says this, studies have shown that people who are generous tend to have better health and other research has indicated that spending money on others can be as effective as lowering blood pressure as medication or exercise. You can skip the gym and just give stuff away. Isn't that great? <laughs> and he goes on to say, moreover, there's a positive association between helping others, which is being generous, and life expectancy. Gonna live longer. Medical News Today says, look at this, new research shows that people who decide to perform generous acts towards others, no matter how small, have an increased level of happiness. Can I tell you that's not new research? 
Jesus said this over 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, when he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Blessed just means happy. You're gonna be happier and healthier as a giver instead of just holding on to everything that you've, you've got. And when Jesus said those words, it's more blessed to give than to receive, he, he wasn't talking about random acts of kindness like paying for somebody's Chipotle salad in the line behind you. Although that's nice to do, that's not what he's talking about here. He's actually talking about a radical new way to live your life. In fact, when you study the life of Jesus and you study the teachings of Jesus, it's, it's hard to find a teaching or a study or a story that doesn't involve generosity and giving and the blessing that comes from it. From the very first miracle that Jesus performed, which was a very generous wedding gift that he gave to a couple who ran out of wine at their wedding, right? He turned the water into wine and blessed them, right? To stories like the little boy that brought his sack lunch to Jesus that day on the hillside, on the Galilee. And there were thousands that had gathered to hear Jesus uh, teach that day, but none of them brought food except for this one little boy that had five little small loaves of bread and two small fish. And he took that and he put it into the hands of Jesus and Jesus did what? He, he blessed it, he broke it, he took what isn't enough and made it more than enough to the point that there were 12 basketfuls left over after thousands of people had eaten the food to their full, it says here. And what you need to see from that story is that Jesus only asks for what's in our hands so that he can give us what's in his hands. That's the only reason it's not like he's trying to get something from us. He's trying to give us what's in his hands. And it's, you think about it, Jesus spent so much time talking about giving and, and finances and possessions, but Jesus didn't need any of their money. It, it, it wasn't for his benefit. It was for their benefit. Half of the parables that Jesus told, the stories that Jesus would teach to tell principles of the kingdom of God, half of them had to do with money and possessions, not so that he could get it from them, but so that it could not get them. Don't, don't miss this, guys. Jesus didn't need anything. He has everything, right? When you think about it, it says in, uh, in Psalm 24, verse one, uh, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything in it is God. So God, God doesn't need, need a, a, a thing. Haggai chapter two says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord is all mine. So he's got everything that he, he needs. He doesn't need anything. He's God. But he wants our hearts. He wants us to trust him. And specifically in this area of him being our provider, him being your source. He, he wants you to rely on him, not on, your, not on the company that you built, not on, on the, the place where you work, not on your paycheck, not on your retirement plan, sir, that you have planned out perfectly. He doesn't want you putting your dependence there. He wants you to rely on him to be your source and him to be your provision. See, see he doesn't need anything, but he wants your heart. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And some of you may be wondering why your heart isn't connected to God or the things of God the way maybe you think it should be. Could it be that your treasure isn't connected to God or to the things of God or to the purposes of God the way it should be? You put your treasure there, I guarantee you, man, your heart is gonna get connected there. 
When I look at this um, reasons why Jesus maybe talks so much about giving is because generosity is not natural, right? It's just not natural to be generous. All you gotta do is look at your kids, right? <laughs> when they were toddlers, their favorite word was mine, 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 my toy, my, mine, right? Generosity is not natural, but it is cultural. And so Jesus is trying to teach us about a new kingdom culture. And in this kingdom culture, um, generosity has a very high value. Again, think about the teachings of Jesus. Go the second mile. Do, do more than that what is asked of you, right? Love your enemies. Bless those that, that curse you. Be generous with, with forgiveness. Be generous with that, right? Freely you've received, so freely give. Here's the point of this whole, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's not about random acts of giving. It's about a new kingdom way of living. It's a whole new mindset that you and I have to understand. See, the Bible has a lot to say about our giving. In fact, there are key words that are repeated over and over in the Bible that help us understand what's important for us to get. Uh, words like uh, believe. Believe is in the Bible uh, 275 times. It's in the Bible. What to believe, what belief looks like. Uh, pray is in the Bible over 371 times. How to pray, when to pray, what to pray for. Uh, you've got words like love. That's pretty important. God is love, right? 740 times in the Bible. But do you know that the word give is in the Bible over 2,100 times, more than all the three other words combined. This is a book about giving. Can I tell you that this is an important topic to God? It's like, he's like, I wanna make sure you understand this. We're gonna talk about it a lot because your tendency is not gonna wanna get this. And while talking about giving may be uncomfortable for us, it obviously is not uncomfortable to God. He actually has a lot to say because God is a giver. God so loved the world that he, what? He gave his only son, right? Jesus so loved the world that, that he gave his, his life to us, right? Giving isn't just something that you tack on to your Christian life when you actually get around to it. It actually is at the essence of your Christian life. It's at the center of it. And so if you wanna be more like Jesus, which is really the goal of our Christian faith, you're gonna to learn to be a giver. What would, what would Jesus do if he were you? Hey, he'd be a giver. He would be more consumed by what he could give away than what he could hold on to and, and try to keep. Now, if you're a Christian, if not a Christian here today, um, you can still get in on all the principles we're talking about because remember sowing and reaping, whoever sows generously, it's like whoever. You can get in on the promises, you can get in on the principles, you are welcome to participate. But if you are a Christ follower, let me have your attention. If you said that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, then what we're talking about today is really, really important. Like you've, you've got to get this. You've got to get over your hangups, some of your fears, some of maybe your misunderstanding about money because of maybe the way you were raised and you've got, to, you've got to get free in this area, all right? And the way you do that is by Psalm 119, verse 45, that says, I have gained perfect freedom. How, once you say that out loud with me, wherever you are, by following your teachings. I have found perfect, that word means complete, uh, absolute freedom, God, by following your teachings. Can I tell you that the ways of God always make you free. 
The ways of the world and the thinking of the world will always bind you up and keep you back. But the ways of God, man, it's gonna give you freedom in this area. So some of you are bound up today. I can tell by looking at you, you're like, all right, you're bound up in this area. You, God wants to set you free. So if we're gonna understand God's principles and blessings when it comes to giving and generosity and sowing and reaping, we actually have to start at the very beginning. So I wanna talk about something today that has been misunderstood by Christians for centuries. And I believe it's because the enemy has tried to keep God's people from understanding a biblical principle, which means now they're excluded from the promise because they don't get in on the principle and they don't get on, on the promise of the blessing of the overflow that God has for them. Remember, every time we talk about giving, it's not what God wants from you. It's what he has for you, amen? So if we're gonna talk today about, what we're gonna talk today is about really um, trusting God and putting him, him first. Now, wouldn't you agree that God wants to be first in your life, right? That's what you want. He doesn't wanna be number five. He doesn't wanna be in the top three, woo, no. He wants to be number one in your life, in every area of your life, amen, right? You agree with that? That's not hard to, right? The first commandment is you'll have no other gods before me. Um, Jesus said the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all, your, all of you, everything, that he is, is first in your life. And so over these next few moments, I wanna talk about something that will help you fulfill that in your life. Something that will actually help you put God first in your life, and it's the tithe. Giving to God what is his first. Very important verse as we start today is found in Deuteronomy 14, 23, and it says this. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always Say it with me out loud, to put God first in your lives. The purpose of what we're talking about and then doing this is actually the purpose. There is a divine assignment attached to tithing. There, there's something that God supernaturally does when you get in step and in sync with his truth in this area that it helps you put him first in every area of your life. Now, there are so many scriptures we could talk about today when it comes to the tithe, but there's one that uh, gives us great insight. And it's found in the book of Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. And the whole theme of the book of Malachi is about God's people returning to God in his ways. They had wandered off, they had been influenced by the world, and, and constantly throughout the book, he's just kind of calling them back to his ways. And so in Malachi chapter three, I'm gonna start in verse six, a very important passage that I want us to look at for a minute because this is gonna help you understand how to keep God first in your life. Starts off in verse six. He says, for I am the Lord and I do not change. When I was in Bible college and seminary, this was referred to as the immutability of God. The immutability of God. God cannot change. And the reason that he cannot change is because if he could change, he could get better, but he can't get better because he's perfect. So therefore God cannot change. So right from the start, God is, is telling us that he is the God that cannot change, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So, so this God who established tithing is saying, I cannot change. And this is really important as we get started here because a lot of people say, wait a minute, tithing is under the law. 
Tithing is the, the Old Testament, and we're under grace, so we don't have to do that anymore, which is unreasonable reasoning. Because all you gotta do is think about what else is under the law? Thou shalt not commit murder. Does that mean now we're under grace, so hey, whatever, you know? Don't hold anybody accountable for nothing. No. You know what else is under the law? Thou shalt not commit adultery. You can't say, hey babe, now we're under grace, so anything, go no, 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 honey. That's not the way, not the way this works, right? Uh, do not steal, do not lie. All of that is under the law, but it's still the right thing for us today. So that argument that this is under the law, or that's under the Old Testament, so it doesn't apply to us anymore, is unreasonable reasoning. If it's right then, it's right now. In fact, tithing is in the Bible 41 times, and half of those are not even related to the law at all. And eight of those are in the New Testament, and a couple of them are in red ink in my Bible, which means those are the words of Jesus, right? So God from the beginning in verse six says this, I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob, which he's just saying there, I'm a gracious God, even though you've walked away, I'm gracious. Mercies are new every morning. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my, look at that word, ordinances and have not kept them. Ordinances is an interesting word, and I just learned this in the last couple of weeks, that at the root word of ordinances is the same as the root word of ordinary. It's, it's ordinary. And anytime the suffix A-N-C is put on the end of a word, it means a principle of. So this is a principle, ordinance by definition would be a principle of ordinary behavior. This is a principle Remember, we're talking about spiritual principles of ordinary behavior for my people. That's what God is saying. Now, in a city, uh, you have ordinances, right? You might have, uh, you can't let trash pile up in your yard, or you've got to cut your grass, or you're going to get fined by the city because there's an ordinance about how you have to keep your grass cut, or there's a noise ordinances, and you can't have dogs barking outside all night long by your neighbor's window, right? This, this is what is ordinary expected practices of people living in a community. And so God is getting ready to tell us right here what ordinary practices his people have walked away from. And so he says in verse seven, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, again, he's gonna, you'll notice that phrase because he's repeating over and over again uh, who's talking here. But you said, in what way will, shall we return? And then God replies, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you? God replies, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me. Now it's important to note that God is not cursing them here. Right? God does not curse his children. God does not, this is not, if you don't tithe, you're not a bad person. Okay, just, somebody can breathe now, okay? You're not a bad person, right? You're not going to hell if you don't tithe. I'm not saying that at all, right? And in this, uh, in this verse, God is not saying he's cursing anybody because God does not curse his children. Many Christians just don't understand the principles we're talking about yet or haven't stepped out in faith to apply it yet. And so what he's saying here is that you're putting yourself under the economic system of this world, which is cursed. The economic system of the world is cursed. And when you don't align yourself with the principles of the truth of God, you're actually keeping yourself in a, in a, in a system that is cursed with greed, 
uh, it's cursed with selfishness and self-centeredness. It's cursed with a spirit of discontentment that you never quite have enough. You always feel like you need a little bit more. It's cursed with a scarcity mindset. And God says, I don't want you under that curse. You gotta bring yourself out from underneath that curse and actually operate in the kingdom's economy, right? So God says in verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Last week, Julie and I were up at Vero Beach celebrating uh, what God's doing at our Vero Beach family. Hey, Vero. And we got to also hang out at Port St. Lucie a little bit. And uh, so many people stopped us and said, uh, Todd, I just have to tell you, man, I get so fed here. That's something I hear over and over again. I just feel so fed. I, my spirit is fed. I come in for worship on the weekends and the worship just feeds my soul, the scriptures, the teaching. It's like God's talking to me. I go into a class and it's like the Lord's speaking. I'm just fed. My kids are getting spiritually fed in, uh, in kids ministry around here. They're learning the Bible. They're, they're getting their spiritual food in the house of God. They're being, they're being fed. And I would met, many of you would say that as, as well. I've had people say to me though before, well, Todd, do I have to bring my tithe into the church? I mean, can I give it to other good organizations that are doing other good things, feeding the poor and helping them over there and doing you know, first care and all these things? And I would say, well, what does God say? God says, bring it into my house that my house may have food. Now, Julie and I, in addition to all we give to the church and tithe and give above our tithe, we give to those other organizations because they're doing a good work, but that's not where the tithe belongs according to God. Word of God, not word of thought, all right? And if you wanna read more about this, you can go into Deuteronomy 26 where God gets really specific where he says, take some of the first produce of the ground that comes out of the ground, put it in a basket and actually take it to the place where I have chosen for my name to abide and to give it to the priest and let him set it before the altar. Where has God chosen for his name to abide and to rest? It's on his church, but you can read that on your own. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to even store it. God says right there, test me in this. And I've said it before, this is the only place in the word of God where God says, test me in this. Come on, give it a try. No other place, you can't find it anywhere else. And if you can, come see me after church and I'll apologize because I've studied the Bible, I can't find it anywhere. And that word test means prove it, prove it. Like God's saying, I double dog dare you. Come on, give it a go, right? And he doesn't stop, a lot of times we stop right there, but God doesn't stop there. God says, but there's more. Wait, look what he says. He says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Again, says, says the Lord of hosts. God's saying right there, I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna defend you. I'm gonna personally rebuke the enemy that tries to devour your field, your family, your future, your life. God said, no, not gonna happen. He says, he will protect the fruit of the vine. Think about that. What you are putting your hand to, what you are building with your life, the very thing that you're giving yourself to, he's saying, I will, God himself will protect you and not let the enemy destroy that. And notice four or five times in this passage, he repeats himself and says, says the Lord of hosts, says the Lord almighty. This is God talking here. I heard a pastor once say that from this one simple passage on tithing and giving to God first, it removes the curse 
It rebukes the devourer and it restores the blessing. Leave that up for a minute. It, it removes the curse. It takes you out from the cursed economic system and thinking of the world. It rebukes the devourer and it restores the blessing of God wanting to pour himself out on your life. Just for that enough alone, why wouldn't you go, okay, I'm gonna start tithing? Because I want, I want God himself to say, I got your back, Todd. I got, I got your back, fill in your name. I'm, I'm watching over you and I'm gonna give you a blessing that you cannot even contain it. See, this is a principle that has a promise. And there's so many Christians that are wanting the promise, but they're not living the principle. And God says, if you work the principle that I've got in my word, you're gonna walk dead into the promises that I've got for you. So a couple things about the tithe that you need to know. The first is that tithe means 10th. Tithe means 10th. The literal word tithe actually means a 10th, 10th, 10% of your income or your increase. The Bible is real clear. It says that it belongs to God, it's, it's holy, it's set apart, it has a holy purpose on it. Like there's things God wants to do with it, which means we can't drive it, we can't wear it, we can't take it to Disney World and spend it, right? We, it has a purpose on it, right? And it's not just any 10th, it's actually the, the first 10th, right? This is what it says in Proverbs uh, 3, 9, honor the Lord by giving him which part? Excuse me? First part, yeah. Honor him by giving the first part of all your income because it doesn't take faith to give God leftovers. If there's anything left over, oh, we'll see. We may do that thing. No, it takes, it takes faith to put God first, right? And that's what, that's what requires faith. I remember when I was first trying to teach Jefferson um, this, um, our son, this concept of tithing that my parents had taught me and he had just gotten $10 for his birthday. We did, not, we did not give $10 allowance like Declan got. We, he got $10 for his birthday. And so I took that $10 bill and I broke it down into 10 ones like Declan laid out and I, I laid them all out there for him. And I said, now Jefferson, this first one belongs to God. When you go to church this week, you gotta take that first one and you're gonna put that in the, in the kids' offering buckets when they go by because that belongs to God. And then you've got this other nine and I will never forget the words he said to me. And some of you've heard me say it. He said, Dad, I got a question. Why does God let us keep so much? What a beautiful, childlike response. Why does God let us keep so much? I've asked some of my friends back here to help me with an illustration that I wanna share about when God gives you things, when he brings things into your life and you take the first of what he gives you, he brings you some corn and there's maybe 20 in there, so we'll take two and this is God's table and we put this over on God's table and that's our table. Well, you got more than, more than 20, so we'll put a few more over here. Okay, this 10% goes to God, right? And then he brings you cabbage and uh, I don't really like cabbage, I could give him two, but I'm gonna give him the one that, uh, that is his set apart for God. And we got peppers, Julie hates peppers. She thinks they're of the devil. There's about 20 in there, so I'm gonna give two of them over here, 10%. Goes to God, the first tenth goes to God, and then the rest goes over here on my table. So we got broccoli. Okay, wow, there's a lot in here. So we'll take a 10% of that, and we're gonna put this over here on God's table as what's holy set apart for Him. And cauliflower, this always gets stuck in my throat. I don't really like it. It's, I think, from the fall of man right here. This was not in the garden, this came after the garden, but. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna give that to God. And then we got uh, bananas. So we're gonna give uh, all those clusters go over here and the first 10th 
goes to God. We got water, 10 watermelons. So we have one watermelon that goes to God and uh, the rest of it uh, gets stacked up on your table. We got uh, squash and pumpkins. Okay, so we're gonna put, that's about 10%. We'll put this over here uh, to God and the rest goes. And then 10 cantaloupes, are we done? I think we're done. Okay, melons, one melon goes to God. And the rest, oh, we got pumpkins. Okay, we got pumpkins, good, yeah, yeah. So uh, 10 pumpkins and one pumpkin goes to God. And I don't know if he carves pumpkins or not, but the rest comes over here to me. Okay, so uh, are we done now? Okay, good, we're done. Beautiful. So do you see this? Do you see this perspective? God, God is the one that gives it all to us. It all comes from God. We learned last week that all that God gives seed to the sower, it's all his seed, right? But he lets some for cooking, some for planting, some for eating, some for planting. And he just says that first 10% is set apart for me. Why is it that we get so hung up on this? And God's given us it all, but he's saying, yeah, you get to now steward the rest of this, but this part, you don't steward, this you bring back in. And we get so hung up, we're like, well, I don't know if I can give God all the corn. I, I might need to keep some of this corn over here. You know, we're, what in the world? Get it back to God. Get it, get it to where he needs to have it and where he uses it for his purposes. Get it in perspective, people. And then here's, some, here's good news. Once you got all this, you don't have to eat all this. Yeah, God can actually speak to you about saying, hey, you know, there's that family in need and, and uh, they live down the street from you and they're out of work. And so here, Antonio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you can give it away. Somebody in need that you know about that needs something, then you've got some extra to give. Or maybe you hear the whole thing about get there first. You're like, well, I wanna get there first. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually give more to God so that we can get there first because I wanna make sure in the race to the heart of the next generation that the first one there wins, so I'm gonna give a little bit extra. You know what? I wanna get in on, on that new building that we're building up in Jupiter. I mean, I wanna give a little extra to the new building because, man, that's gonna be a place where people who are spiritually lost find God. So man, what's that worth? I want to be a part of that. And do you know, we actually have people in our church that are called kingdom builders. And some of y'all need to step into kingdom builders. Kingdom builders are people that have committed to give above the tithe to help move the mission of God forward because what God's calling us to is so important. It can't wait. Time is short. If you just look at what's happening in the news, you know, time is short. And so we have got to be about the most important things of getting to God. What is his? So the first thing you need to understand is the tithe is a tenth set apart wholly for God. The second truth is that the tithe is a test. The number 10 in the Bible is the number of testing. God tested Pharaoh 10 times with 10 plagues. There are 10 commandments, each one of them a test. Am I gonna follow God and do what he says or am I gonna do what I wanna do? Um, when you study the Israelites going through the wilderness, God tested them 10 times. And every time you and I get paid, it is a test. Are you gonna honor God first or are you just gonna do what you want and what you plan and what you think? It's a test. And the third thing is the tithe is timeless. I wanna go back here just for a moment. The tithe is a timeless. I mentioned that some people get hung up that uh, the tithe is in the Old Testament so that we don't need to do it. They, they use the phrase, it is under the law, which anytime I hear somebody say it's under the law, it tells me they don't know their Bible 
because the tithe actually predates the law. It actually precedes the law. Hundreds of years before God gave the law to Moses, Abraham gave a tithe to God. He actually tithed, took his tithe to Melchizedek, the priest of Salem or Jerusalem, and gave a tenth of everything he had to the priest in the temple there, right? So the father of our faith, before there ever was a law, was tithing and giving to God and putting it first so it precedes the law. It's timeless. Um, Let me ask you, if Jesus said you should tithe, would you tithe? There's two people. Got really quiet in this Episcopalian church this morning. If Jesus said we should do something, don't you think we ought to do something? Okay, yes, there we go. There is Christ Fellowship. All right. So look at um, Luke 11, verse 42, words of Jesus in red ink in some of y'all's Bibles. But woe to you Pharisees, you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. The words of Jesus... These you ought to have done. Ought is a very strong word in the Greek language. I studied it again this week. It means you've got to do this. It is necessary. It is a requirement. You ought to tithe. Now, some people may say, well, Todd, I think he's saying that you ought to have done justice and love. Okay. That's fine too. Without leaving the other undone. Either way, Jesus has got us here, right? Very clear, he's, again, ordinary ordinances expected of my people, this is what you need to do. And I always say that for people to think it's uh, in the Old Testament, Jesus always called us to go farther and give more and double, go two miles instead of one, right? So you can give 20% if you want to. God won't mind and neither will I. Okay, so here we go. So here's my challenge. Here's my challenge. Because all of us, I understand, are at a different place on our giving of generosity. I am... I am giving you a 90-day giving challenge. For the next 90 days, I wanna challenge you to grow in your grace of giving, to take a step, wherever you are on your journey, to take a step of growing in your grace of journey. And this is where this comes from. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 8, last scripture. But since you excel in everything, in your faith of God, in your speech, in your knowledge of the word, and in complete earnestness to follow God, And in the love that we've kindled in you, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. That word excel means to grow, to get better in. And guess what? All of us can get better in the grace of giving. So this 90-day challenge that I'm giving you is to get better in the grace of giving. And specifically, because this is what these passages are talking about, giving to God and putting God first. So for some of you, maybe you've never really given an offering. You might have thrown 10 bucks in or something when a bucket passed or gave to some, but you've never really given an offering to God that's significant. This week, I wanna challenge you and over for the next 90 days to give some offerings to God. And when you do, just pray, say, Lord, I'm giving this to you because I realize every good thing in my life comes from you, all of it, all of it. So I'm just gonna give you something back and I want you to take it and use it for whatever things you're gonna do. And I want you to help me trust you more to be my source and my provision. Now, most of you, uh, you would fall in a different category. You've given to God before, but if you were honest, you're just not very consistent. 
You give when you think about it, you give when there's extra, you give uh, when Todd talks about it, but you're not consistent. I would, I would challenge you in the next 90 days, get consistent. Just set it up online, like Julie and I have it set up online, just like we pay our power, FPNL power bill, right? We, we, we don't want the power going out, so we're giving that, right, consistently. Set it up online. And for the next 90 days, say, I'm gonna get consistent with what I'm giving to God. That's the step I'm taking. Some of you, you've been consistent, you give regularly, but you've never trusted God with the tithe. And so for you, it's actually gonna be, okay, God, you said, test me in this. I'm gonna test you in this, and I wanna experience the blessings. For the next 90 days, I wanna see your hand move in some way in my life. We had one family that sent me an email that said, um, Todd, the last time you talked about this, uh, we, we knew we weren't tithing, we were giving, but we, we knew in our hearts we were supposed to do that, so we started tithing, and they wrote back and they said, the thing that we used to fight about, we're now praying about. The thing that used to bring division and conflict, money and uh, spending, now we're bringing everything to the Lord, and we're seeing God take care of all of our needs, and we're seeing a blessing of peace rest in our home. So for some of you, that's the step you need to take, and you know you do, Jesus said you ought to. But for some of you, you're like me and Julie, you've, you've been tithing your whole life. So what are you supposed to do? How do you grow in the grace of giving? Well, maybe it's time that you give a sacrificial gift. Many times, that's what the Lord will speak to me about is giving a sacrificial gift. Something that really is like, wow, I feel that, right? Um, I have a friend who every year ups his giving by 1%. They, they, they started at 10, they went to 11, they went to 12, they went to 13. They just keep adding that 1% a year. What is it that you need to do to excel in your grace of giving? Accept the 90 day challenge and watch how God is gonna show up in your life in a whole way as you learn to trust him in an area that maybe you've been holding back on. And God is just saying, now I want you to trust me, child, in this area. This is the area that I want you to grow in. We're gonna end our service today the same way we did last week, by taking time to respond to the word of God. And I share with you last week that as I was praying about the church, that the Lord convicted me around our time of giving, that we were rushing by it and not really taking enough time to really settle in because giving and worship go hand in hand in the Bible. When the people came to worship God, they, they brought something to give to God out of an act of surrender and gratitude to God. And so we're taking the time in our services to actually give back to God. And I know that many of you give online, uh, the ways to give are on the screen and like Julie and I do. And if you are, that's awesome. But we realize many don't or haven't and we're making it too hard for you to, to do that. So I'm gonna ask the ushers, the hosts, and all the campuses to come forward. And we're gonna pray over this time of giving as we take a moment to reflect on what the Lord said to us, uh, and then we give. And if you're not ready to give right in this moment, that's okay. But I want you to take the moment to reflect on what your giving should look like back to God, who gives you every good thing in your life. We're gonna pray this prayer and then um, our team's gonna sing over you so we're not quite done yet. I don't want you leaving during this, during this time, this time of response. Uh, our movement music, the, the sound of the next generation in our church has put out their first album this week. And one of the songs I've asked them to sing over us and then the campus teams will come and dismiss you in a minute. Church, I love you so much. I don't want you to miss out on one blessing that God has for you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word and the principles in your word that help us get in on the promise of your word. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help each one of us to respond. We're all at different places on this journey today. Help us all just to take one step in the right direction. And as we do, recognize that you are the giver of all good things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. 
And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.